0: We look forward to having you. I'm Ashley Chancellor and I'm Zachary Gio. This is Collateral Gaming. To collateral Gaming, the only video game podcast that matters, where we focus on good games, bad games, and everything else in between in the world of gaming. We are podcasting straight from somewhere in South Texas and in Georgia. I'm not sure we're going to have to really retool that considering that uh, <laughs> two, two-thirds of us are in Georgia now. But um, And yes, my friends, we are a 420 friendly podcast so whatever you have smoke it if you've got it
1: Woo woo, man it's good to be back how you doing buddy
0: hey yeah i we actually were talking about this right before the episode but it's actually been a minute before zach has been on an episode and and time just flew by and i, I don't think you've been on since mario and luigi and that was back in february
1: yeah, it's it's been a minute. Um, I want to apologize to everybody. I, I've missed you guys, but uh, I got a new job working with Aflac Insurance Company, and I've been a licensed insurance agent for like four or five months now. And uh, I got engaged, so I, it, a lot of things have been happening. But yeah, my girlfriend and I, Danielle, got engaged to be married. We're getting married next year, sometime in November, and I'm I'm really excited. I love her to death, and. I'm actually getting ready to move next Tuesday. Uh, it's, it's Wednesday now when we're recording this, so a week from yesterday at the time of recording this, I'm moving, and I'm going to be closer to her. I'm going to be able to do a lot more with Aflac. I'm going to have better internet, so I'll be able to record podcasts better. <laughs> but it, it's really good to be back, and especially for a little spicy episode that we got today, because today we're talking about one of my favorite games ever growing up.
0: Yes, sir. But before we get into that, let's catch up a little bit. Uh, What's been going on in the world of gaming? I mean, I think since the last time we recorded, there was a Nintendo Direct, which was honestly disappointing, and there was really nothing of mention. (laughs) Are you surprised? I'm honestly (laughs) not surprised
1: with how little we've learned about our favorite franchises and stuff recently. I've just, you know, you would think we would have learned something about Breath of the Wild 2 at this point. Considering like we're get closing in on when they had originally projected to release it. First, it was twenty twenty two, and then a direct told us that uh, it was going to be delayed to twenty twenty three, and now we don't know anything. I didn't even watch the most recent direct, dude. I I knew it was going to be crap.
0: I didn't watch it, but I caught up on the news. I mean, they announced a Monster Hunter game. I of course haven't they did. Played any of those games? I. I- I would be interested in getting into the franchise, but I just, I haven't gotten into it yet. Uh, Mario plus Rabbids got some more information, which I'm kind of interested in that one. It's a Mario tactical RPG, and it's actually kind of fun. Not unlike the game we're talking about today. Yep. Um, Persona also, I think like they're, Three different Persona games are coming to the Switch now.
1: That's nice. I mean, the Switch needs a little bit more diversity as far as games and stuff, but they are adding more stuff to the Virtual Console, which is nice. The Nintendo 64 service that they have on there, I actually signed up for that sometime last year and I haven't touched it since, but I popped on there the other day and I noticed that they had added like Mario Golf, they had added like Mario Party, and... I was really happy. I was like, you know what? This is stuff I'm gonna have to visit. But as far as the direct is concerned, Monster Hunter is becoming a little bit like Call of Duty, in the fact that they're releasing it like maybe once a year, <laughs> and it's kind of it's starting to bug me a little bit. I played yeah. Monster Hunter World, but that's it.
0: Yeah, I mean that, nothing good ever comes out of releasing games on an annual basis. I mean, look what happened with Assassin's Creed, and then it started getting good again whenever they started taking their time again. <laughs> yeah. So you know, uh, near Automata is coming to Switch, I think, or a version of it, or a variant. I'm not sure. Uh, we're getting uh, Return to Monkey Island. The Monkey Island has uh, franchise has always interested me. It's something I, you know, I I would like to to check out. Uh, Sonic Frontiers news about that
1: oh yes we did but that game uh that game kind of leaves a little bit of a gap in my heart i don't know if it's gonna be good i don't know if it's gonna be bad i hope it's gonna be good but i'm expecting it to be bad i don't i don't i don't know what's (laughs) gonna happen to be honest i hope that frontiers is so good
0: you know it and they're, they're actually trying not to call it open world i think But it's definitely got that vibe. They're going for a more open game format. And I'm all for it. I'd love to see Sonic get modernized like that. Uh, We we definitely need more of that. Although, sometimes I wonder how the Sonic franchise is still going.
1: (laughs) I mean, you're right. Honestly, my last good game for the Sonic series was honestly Sonic Adventure 2. And that was like, what, 2004? It was a long time ago. But hey, I mean, Little Blue Hedgehog, I I feel like the hedgehog has been more successful in TV and movies than it has been in games. Um, Like Sonic and the Secret Rings, I sort of liked it. It was okay. But a lot of people didn't because of the whole, you know, I guess the final boss kind of ruins the game for everything. (laughs) But, you know, it's fine.
0: You know what we are getting on Switch? (laughs) Pac-Man World. And yep. uh, I actually like the Pac-Man World series. I had the Pac- Pac-Man World 2 on GameCube, and it was pretty fun. And Pac-Man World 3 is a very good game. I would love to talk about it on the podcast.
1: I'm down because Pac-Man World uh, 2 and 3 are games that I really enjoy very much.
0: Yeah, yeah. I loved how they took Pac-Man and made it into, like, an action-adventure game. You know, I, I, I really like that. I'm glad that we're getting, you know, the first game on Switch. I think that's the only one I haven't played. So that'll be interesting. Uh, Sony announced The Last of Us Part 1, a remake of The Last of Us. <laughs> a remake and... of the remaster. <laughs> yeah, so while I'm happy to see more Last of Us stuff, don't get me wrong, and it does look great, did we really need it? Because nope. like a lot of people have pointed out, the Last of Us was already remastered for PS4, and it looks great there. I mean, if they were to just kind of update it a little bit for the for the PS5 port, it would be fine. You know, like increase the frame rate or something. But they're doing a full on remake, which ambitious. I'm happy that Naughty Dog is putting that much love into something, but I don't know. it Kind of feels like we should have gotten like Jack and Daxter. You know, You're that's right. a franchise that hasn't been touched in a very long time by Naughty Dog. I mean, we finally got uh, 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 Crash Bandicoot back, and I don't yep. even think Naughty Dog was really involved in that very much. But
1: Well, no. I, I To me, I think this Last of Us remake is a cash grab because, I mean, how much more beautiful can you make the first game? I mean, unless they remake it from the ground up, everything is new, which I don't think it's going to be. I think it's just going to be really pretty
0: apparently that is what they're doing they're building the game from the ground up but it's gonna follow the same story i mean that thing you know it's not like a full-on reboot or anything it's the same game but they're they're rebuilding it from the ground up as the exact same game does that make sense (laughs) i mean it does but i don't
1: like it you know give us the last of us part three
0: (laughs) well i think this is part three maybe supposed to hold us over until part three and that's the idea because yeah, remember how big PS5. of a, g- a gap there was between you know part one and part two. So
1: Yeah, you're right. And it was a very long time. One that I'm not <laughs> willing to do again, let's be honest.
0: <laughs> yeah, no kidding. I'll, uh, I'll
1: be playing Modern Warfare 7
0: by the time that comes out. Were there were there any events for Sony or Xbox? I feel like one of the two had something, but I, I didn't really check it out. Uh,
1: I, I didn't check anything out if there were, let's be honest.
0: Sony, like 2022, because I know we didn't get E3 this year, and that was really disappointing. And it was so weird for us not to get E3 this year because, you know, uh it's 2022. It's been two years since the pandemic, and we had E3 last year, so. Yes, we did. What's what's the deal? I don't know. Um Either companies are
1: literally losing their minds, or we are right around the corner from getting some really nasty information. And I am here for that. Let's be real. I If Nintendo kind of just comes out, because you guys know me, and Ash, you know me. I'm a Nintendo freak. I, I love Call of Duty, and I love action-adventure games. I'm actually replaying through Fallen Order right now, but... Um, Fuck yes! N- well, I'm, I'm willing to bet that Nintendo is just waiting to roll out news about Prime 4, or news about Breath of the Wild 2, or the sequel to Breath of the Wild, excuse me, because it's not going to be called Breath of the Wild. It's probably going to be like... Um, champions of the wild or something like that i don't i don't know uh this game is mild i i don't i don't know <laughs> but it's gonna be it's gonna be something that's gonna be worth the wait eventually because i mean oh, yeah. come on let's face it six years at this point it's that's the longest we've waited for a zelda game
0: twilight princess still... came out in t- are they still officially going with with the story of it coming out in 2022 or did they did they Oh no,
1: they delayed it to uh, like 2023 and I'm I'm willing to bet they're going to drop it in March of 2023 because that's when yeah. they did it in 2017 and that will be exactly 6 years.
0: Yeah, and they won't like there's no chance in hell that it's going to come out in 2022. I already knew that, but yeah. I was just wondering if they had officially delayed it yet because you know, yeah, but without a release date, you know, any, basically, if it doesn't have a release date, it's probably not coming out this year. They, and that they applies officially,
1: to they officially. I thought they officially delayed it to 2023 when they announced Metroid Dread.
0: Uh, no, actually, when they announced Metroid Dread was whenever they they is whenever they said it was going to come out in 2022. That was oh. the thing. That that's well, Nintendo what
1: Nintendo needs to get their shit together.
0: Yeah, and that's why people were excited. They said that they were aiming for a 2022 release date. And I kind of called their bluff, I think, at the time. Like, I was like, are they really going to be able to do that? But I'm thinking, well, if they're just going to reuse a bunch of assets from Breath of the Wild, which they should. It shouldn't take that long. But I'm not going to complain that they're taking longer on it. All that means is that Nintendo is doing a better job. I mean, same thing with Prime 4. They scrapped development and had to start all over. But you know what? I'm I'm happy because that game was going to be trash if it was released that way. If if Nintendo had to step in and say, "Nah, let's put Retro Studios back on the job." Then, you know, I put my faith in that. And so I'm I'm putting my faith that the sequel to Breath of the Wild will be a fantastic game. Yep, absolutely. And it will be worth the wait because Breath of the Wild sure was. <laughs> I mean, the only the only issue I had
1: with Breath of the Wild was the story and the way they did it. Everything else about it was perfect. You know, just the open world, the side quests, the the Great Plateau itself, the Champion's Ballad, the characters that you get into. Okay, we're not talking about Breath of the Wild here. It was fantastic, <laughs> and I think the sequel is going to be awesome. Um, I'm glad that they're rebuilding Metroid Prime 4 from the ground up. I'm glad that they took the time to tell us that because that makes the weight more bearable. Um, what? Anything else you want to hit, Ash, before we dive straight in?
0: No, I, w- I was about to say the same thing. I think, uh, yeah, I don't can't really think of any other noteworthy gaming news off the top of my head now anyway so the new call of duty this year is modern warfare 2 <laughs> uh yeah i think we did announce that before at some point but yeah if if you missed that uh yeah there's a new modern warfare 2 not to be confused with modern warfare 2 <laughs> <laughs>
1: not to be confused with another game called Modern Warfare 2 but no, then again they've <laughs> literally released three games called Modern Warfare Call of Duty 4, Modern Warfare, Call of Duty Modern Warfare Remastered, Call of Duty Modern Warfare 2019. They need to stop.
0: Well, and this one stop. should not have been called Modern Warfare 2 because I get what they're doing. It's a sequel to the to the reboot, to the remake uh, of Call of, Call of Duty Modern Warfare, which is a completely a- different game. Yep. Right? Yep. So it would have made more sense to, okay, we're getting off topic here, but.
1: <laughs> yeah, we're here to talk about something else, brother.
0: Yes, I'm really excited about this, actually, because you introduced me to the series, and I have fallen in love with this series so as good. a result of us doing this episode on the podcast.
1: Well, brother, take it away.
0: <laughs> well, we're talking about Fire Emblem. That is the 2003 game in uh, that was originally known as just Fire Emblem in the United States uh, now is known as Fire Emblem the Blazing Blade uh, and which was the Japanese subtitle so it was the very first Fire Emblem game released in the United States uh, or internationally the other games I guess Japan didn't think that we would be interested in but when Advance Wars was doing well here and uh, the characters Marth and Roy were very popular in Super Smash Brothers Melee, Nintendo decided to go ahead and make their new uh GBA Fire Emblem game uh localized in here in the West and uh they actually designed the game with that in mind that's why this game is actually a perfect entry point in my opinion to the Fire Emblem franchise you're yeah,
1: absolutely correct, and I like I like how they did it. You know, because Fire Emblem Six being only released in Japan, which is the Sealed Sword, where Roy is actually the star of that game, the star, the main character. This isn't a movie. What am I talking about? The main character of that game, the Blazing Blade, actually takes you to before Roy's time. You actually one of the main characters is his father Eliwood and yes. he's one of the main lords that you have to protect and uh, advance through the story in the game. And honestly, the Blazing Blade is is my favorite Fire Emblem game of all time. I've played through the Sealed Sword I, a couple of times. I, I just don't like it. I don't think the ending is great. I don't like the fact that you have to unlock all of the side chapters in order to experience the full story. Never enjoyed that because if you have to, like, sweat your life away to experience everything in a game, eh, you know i guess it's worth it but i want the story the first time i play through the game i want to experience the entire story and then if i want to sweat through it and go all the way through but i'm getting off topic the blazing blade is one of my favorite fire emblem games ever i love lynn as a character in fire emblem she's one of my favorite characters in the game and
0: yeah i think she was the only one to actually make it into warriors from this entry
1: yep absolutely hector's also cool but he's a dick
0: Hector is probably the best lord, though, in my opinion. I yep. mean he's 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 just such a powerhouse. Um what's funny is is he seems to be a little bit behind Lynn and Elliewood whenever he's first introduced, in that he he isn't uh, doesn't have nearly as high of a speed stat, so he, he doesn't double attacks and he doesn't evade nearly as well. Yep. But he becomes a powerhouse. And, and let me tell you uh, the first time I played through, I promoted Lynn first the second time I promoted Hector first because uh, I was just excited to to get to play as him but yeah no fire emblem the blazing blade actually has three main Lord characters uh, two of which were actually in uh the the, the prequel uh, or predecessor uh actually it's not a prequel it takes it's place a sequel. Afterwards. technically it's a, but, <laughs>
1: it's a sequel that takes place before
0: so uh, uh the Binding Blade or the Sealed Sword, depending on the translation, I've started that one. It's very similar to Blazing Blade, but um, I mean, even hard. the sprites are the same, but it is much harder and the game does not really give you any sort of tutorial like this one does. What, what's nice about this game and why it works so well, because it was designed this way with Americans in mind, was that it, the, the first 10 chapters of the game, Lynn's story, all serve as a tutorial segment.
1: Yeah, it's basically and, Nintendo's way of saying that Americans are stupid.
0: Well, it's introducing you to Fire <laughs> Emblem cuz we didn't get any other games. But yeah, no, you're right. They no, they're totally condescending. It's why Super Mario Brothers 2 uh happened the way that it happened here for the, the exact same <laughs> thing. <laughs> they thought that we that the uh, the original version of that was too hard. And and then 10 though, thought that either Fire Emblem was too hard or that we just wouldn't be interested in the tactical RPG style of gameplay. And and I will say some of the older games are harder to play because they don't have as many of the improvements uh, that some of the other games and, you know, including the GBA games have. And even going forward past the GBA games, there are some uh, some gameplay facets that are brought in that make the experience more accessible without taking away from the difficulty but there is something very charming about the original gba fire emblem games you know that same sort of charm i think that we talked about in our last episode together which was another gba rpg Mario and luigi superstar saga because uh you know there there is a sort of of difficulty to this game, and if I hadn't taken advantage, if you know, if I wasn't playing this, uh, on an, uh, on the Wii U virtual console, <laughs> or on an emulator, I would have a very difficult time because, <laughs> golly, um, for those of you who aren't familiar with Fire Emblem. You know, it is a tactical or strategy type RPG. You move your units around the map on the, you know, and it's, it's on a grid. And when you move enemies, you know, next, uh, adjacent to or within a certain range of a character, they perform their attack. So uh, characters that have melee weapons are obviously going to be able to, uh, are going to be able to fight units right next to them, whereas archers are going to be able to, to have a range of, of two squares or more. Magic kind of uses both. And so there's there's this element of of moving in your characters towards enemies that they're going to be strong against and away from enemies that they're going to be weak against.
1: It's really cool how they implement like the different styles of fighting and I'm sure we'll get into the weapon triangles, but the weapon triangles of it and how they work between or differentiating between actual melee and combat weapons and magic. I love it so much uh-huh I love it so much because you have swords axes and lances also you have bows for archers and then for magic wielders you have dark magic which is stuff that shamans druids and pupils can use if you've played the sacred stones because the pupil I'm pretty sure the pupil is only in the sacred stones and then you have light magic which bishops and uh what okay so what? monks monks. there you go monks 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 there you go
0: monks promote into bishops also priests and clerics too also which is interesting so um you know units that use that use staves actually end up promoting into into light magic users Uh, and then of course you have your anima magic your your typical elemental style magic you know fire and lightning
1: where you can whip out that uh my hero academia i'm just kidding
0: <laughs> yeah no i actually really enjoy the weapon triangle as well i think it might be one of my favorite things about fire emblem and the only thing i think i don't like about three houses is that uh or echoes shadows of Valentia, is that those games don't have weapon triangles they're still great games in my opinion they just they they i, I like the weapon triangle I, I like that every unit has specific units that it's strong or weak against to, Regardless of what type it is, you know, and outside of the weapon triangles, you know, uh, bows are strong against flyers, and unless you equip a Delphi shield, mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, and um, you know, and 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 if you want to strategically fight against archers, you just need to move in close because they can't attack one space away. So it, it's all about strategy, and that's very important in Fire Emblem because of permadeath. Permadeath is is uh, one of the biggest most crucial pivotal things about Fire Emblem it's been there since the very first game some of the more modern games have introduced a classic or a casual mode that takes away permadeath but I think that's cheap and I think that that's stupid (laughs) and if you're not playing it in classic mode then you're a fucking noob because (laughs) Fire Emblem is all about about, you know, the risk of losing your units. And yes, I don't like to lose units either. I'll restart the whole fucking map. That's the point. You're supposed supposed to do that. (laughs) You don't want
1: to lose anybody because if you lose somebody and then you beat the game when it's telling you, well, actually you haven't beaten the game yet, have you?
0: So, okay, I am on the final chapter of Ellie chapter I was getting ready to beat it right before we did the episode and I was like fuck yeah and then for part two you know I'll, I'll make sure I'll get through like Hector's tale or whatever and then uh, I ran into a problem <laughs> I defeated all the little sub bosses in that chapter and then I get to the part where you're you go after Nurgle and there's this fucking druid with berserk and my dumbass didn't bring a restore staff in this fight and so I was fucked, and I had a save state. I had a save state right whenever I had to beat all the sub bosses. I was like, "Fuck yeah, this was very difficult. These enemies are very high level. It, it took a lot of work strategically placing my units and not losing anybody." And then <laughs> after all of that, I'm stuck in this state where I can't avoid one of my units getting berserk. And may- maybe the RNG works in such a way that it's decided beforehand, and s- because. I looked at the hit and the hit wasn't even that high. But every single time I reloaded it, my Pegasus unit, Floria, got hit with Berserk.
1: Well, I think that specific RNG moment is set with that save state. So I don't think no I don't think no matter how many times you reset that save state, it's gonna it's gonna you're gonna have to restart if you don't want Flora Floria to go is it Floria or Florina?
0: Floria was the one that ended up being promoted. I, I would have liked to have promoted Florina because I already had a support with with Floria and with Lynn. But uh, Floria just ended up being a stronger unit for me. So she ended up being the one that got the promotion and, and got the level up. So <laughs> level up. I mean, you're right. She does. I, I think I, I'm more nostalgic with
1: characters. I think I like to promote characters that... Are with you from the very beginning which is like why i will always promote is it walt or will the archer
0: oh uh, will
1: will will walt is in sacred stones
0: my thought was to promote will as well but after looking online i found out that he's like the worst Archer in it you're so out of your was...
1: mind man he's a he's <laughs> god tier that's why you got to give him speed wings and secret books you got to give him stuff
0: well, you're the, you're the expert here. You've played this game more times than I have, but oh my I God. ended up investing in Rebecca. You would think Wrath would be the one to use because he's on horseback, but apparently he's a trash unit. <laughs> <laughs> what?! or so i've been told you know his promotion at least gives you a melee weapon which is nice and he actually has an orion's bolt in his inventory in case i ever decided to use him and level him up enough to promote him i just there's only so many chapters in the game and so when i'm going after characters to promote i'm gonna go after the ones that are closer to getting that promotion you know you just got to abuse the hell
1: out of these arenas man the, the arenas are a godsend unless you're like trying to get through the chapters in you know a reasonable amount of time
0: use the arenas man or get through the chapters yeah use Here's the, the arenas. problem with the arenas man there's they only appear in like three or four chapters throughout the entire game and the first one is in the pirate side mission which you're supposed to get as quickly to fargus as quickly you know as quickly as you can and they end up deploying a bunch of units around the arena so i was like nope fuck that i'll get the next one bro that's
1: where i did most of my ranking up really like i surrounded i forget the pirate that's like down south next to the arena i forget the name of him dart Um, dart there you go he's the one that
0: joins you yeah he's the what he's the one that joins your party
1: oh yeah you're right um have you ever just said fuck it and fought Vargas? just killed him
0: no but i always I, wanted to I,
1: I did it and like they give you some really intense boss music and he's like i don't know why you're doing this i'm the only way you can get to the dread aisle and then you just annihilate him and he's like well <laughs> game over and it, it, the game ends. You get a game over, and you have to do the whole chapter over again. That's funny. But that arena, like, that chapter is really good for leveling up units. You put your strongest units up front. And I, I was prone to using sword wielders, especially my uh, Mermidons, because there's a lot of axe wielders. Because, come on, pirates, they use axes. And right. so I was... I put my axe will- or my sword wielders and axe wielders up front, fought my way through, used the arena until I was really tired. There was one point, Ash, where I had like 600,000 gold just from arena spamming.
0: Yeah, I got a lot of gold. You know, my f- first time I started playing through this game, actually I have a story here. So the first time I started playing through this game, I was it was the first Fire Emblem game I played. And so I wasn't really used to the system. I didn't really know what to do. I wasn't... And I felt like I just mismanaged my units and my inventory entirely. I got to the guided chapter 26X, which is where you fight Sonya after you recruit Nino and it's the first uh, chapter where you can play as Jafar as well and um, I got stuck on that chapter I had a lot of difficulty because the game I, I think that chapter specifically requires you to have some strong flying units and I didn't both of my Pegasus units were completely under leveled were not promoted and so you know I had a very difficult time and uh, I'd already used up most of my like, re- le- like the manicotti and the wolf bale had already been used up so- shame on you Yeah, well, I didn't realize that, you know, there was a better way to go about it. And it's like, don't use your most powerful weapons. Carry an extra, like, steel sword on your lord at all times so that they can just use that to dispatch enemies that don't require the higher level weapons.
1: Also, if you can find one, keep a hammer and staff on you because that you have three uses. Have you used a hammer and staff?
0: Yeah. Yeah. The the one that repairs other weapons. I got that in my first playthrough but i didn't find it in the second one for some reason yeah you can
1: use it on your sacred weapons i always save it for the manicotti because until you get the soul cotti at the i think the soul cotti is at the end of the chapter though it's at the very end it's the very last chapter i hate it so much
0: yeah, because you get this legendary weapon uh, as Lin, and and it's the Manicotti, and it's it's super fucking cool, and it's a personal weapon that only she can use. It's like her master sword, and just to find out that like any other weapon, it can break, and then you can't use it the rest of the game. <laughs> it's like, come on. I mean. To be honest
1: well I, I like that you can't sell those weapons because I have accidentally sold weapons that I've wanted to keep before like I think my favorite weapon in the game it's not a sacred weapon but it's a killing edge. I'm sure you've ran into plenty of those Oh yeah um, um, I love those weapons and they
0: break so easily they only have 20 uses it sucks. Yeah, same thing with silver weapons. And, and what's nice with silver weapons is that they actually, despite doing dealing more damage, they're lighter than other weapons. So they're actually ideal, but their durability use is really low. And killing edges too. And there are some characters that are designed to use killing edges or killing axes. You know, uh, yep. uh, the, uh, the assassin class, you know, Jafar, or if you end up promoting Matthew or Legault, Uh, you know, that their default weapon, the weapon that they're supposed to use that works with their high crit stats are killing edges. Same thing with your berserker, uh, whatever the fuck his name is. Hawkeye. Yep. Love me some Hawkeye. Love Love him.
1: He's, he seems like kind of a, like a derpy character, but he's He's Jesus. He He could
0: walk on water.
1: (laughs) He is Jesus. He's, he's the sand Jesus. We'll call him sand Jesus.
0: So yeah, I was midway through chapter twenty six. X couldn't get through it. You know, I'm not close to the end of the game, and I just said, "Fuck it, let me start the game over." And I started over. Lynn's mode. I'm not sure if I, if I started on hard mode or not. It didn't feel like the difficulty was any harder, and I had a much easier time. I ended up actually. Lynn has both the Soulcotti and the Manicati. You know, uh, uh, Hector still has his Wolf Wolfbeal along with the. Uh, Whatever it was called, armdis or whatever, armads, armads. Yeah, there you go. Yep. So I, bro, (laughs) I actually ran into the issue of a bloated inventory this time of having almost too much, and that's a good problem to have in Fire Emblem. So I always uh,
1: run into that issue because I spam the arena and I buy way too much shit.
0: Yeah. Also, always deploy Merlinus because otherwise, if you pick up an item and your inventory is full, and I have a lot of characters who I just keep full inventories on for this reason, actually, depending on it, then, you know, that item will actually be sent to Merlinus, which is usually much more useful than it be giving, than giving it to whatever random character, uh, uh, visited this village or whatever character defeated this enemy that had this weapon who is actually the character that's strong against that type of enemy and therefore would not probably use that type of weapon.
1: Yeah, you're, you're absolutely right.
0: So I always deploy Merlinus. Plus if he gets to level 20, he can move around like he can in the binding blade. Yep. And, and doesn't uh, use a recruitment slot. <laughs> no, he
1: does not use a recruitment slot. And that's so stupid That he does in that game, I hate it so much. (laughs) I hate it. I hate it so much. Out of curiosity, what's your favorite weapon in the game? Like overall, like from any character. It can be specific, or it can be like from a type of weapon class. What What are you thinking? Mm.
0: Mm. I like magic quite a bit. You know, I'm a huge fan of magic. Oh, dude, same. in general. So I, I tend to go after my my mage classes. In fact, it was pretty much standard for me to recruit or, or to deploy, you know, all three mage types in every battle unless, you know, I could find and see that, okay, there are no dark magic users. So there's no reason to employ you know to, to deploy uh, Lucius in this chapter but I that actually was was kind of my my Achilles heel in this game was I always wanted to deploy all my lords I always wanted to deploy all my magic users you have to deploy a, a healer I mean you gotta and so then it's like you know what do you have left you know you got to pick do, my, do I want some cavalry do I want some knights. But, but anyway, back to what you were asking. I mean, I guess I would have to say that the in the level shit that you get whenever you get to play as Athos is pretty fucking cool. Those magic spells are badass. Oh, dude. blaze and Areola. I yes. think that's
1: the names of them. Yeah, Athos is really cool. My aureola Little, little b- Areolas. <laughs> <laughs> the nipple spell.
0: No, I, I, I-, I don't know if you saw it. I lifted up my shirt and I did t- <laughs>
1: well i I like Athos too um he's a level twenty arch sage that's basically guiding Lynn Ellywood and Hector to uh you know the defeating of the dragons at the end of the game but we'll we'll get into that later, but his character is so awesome. I love his animation because he just holds up the little staff close to his face with a little sparkling animation then he lifts it up like Jesus Christ and <laughs> just does his <laughs> just his attack animation. Have you ever gotten a critical hit with him? Yes, he like looks at the camera and does the same. He looks at the player and he's like, "Ting," and then he does his <laughs> little animation.
0: Oh man, he is a god. He can use all three types of magic, so you technically don't even have to deploy any magic users in that chapter, but I did anyway. I mean, um, okay, if you
1: have if you have uh, Nino as a sage, bro, she's a god. She's ridiculous.
0: Yeah, I-, I promoted Nino, so Nino is your character archetype that you know joins in the game v- very late very low level it's very difficult to train her up but if you do she ends up being you know one of the best magic users in the game it's just a question of whether or not it's worth it whenever you have characters like pent you know who who's his is- garbage He's a pre-promoted character that has A rank, uh, uh, magic and staves. I mean,
1: I know, but I just don't like his ability to. Okay, we'll get into that stuff later. I just, <laughs> bruh. Okay, I just okay. don't. I don't like pre-promoted characters. We'll we'll talk about that later. I just don't.
0: What um, what is your favorite weapon?
1: Oh, um, if I'm using a sword master, it is um, the is the Wildo... Oh, the what,
0: the Wodow or the whatever Wodow, it
1: is. I love that weapon Holdo. a lot. Um, there's a, well, that's a different game entirely, but it's still GBA Fire Emblem animation. But <laughs> my favorite weapon in the game is um, probably either Fimble Vector, which is <clears> um, uh, ice magic, which right. creates like a little ice tornado and shards out with it from within the enemy player, or uh, Purge. Purge. Purge or, bo- I-, I love magic. I love magic a lot. So purge bolting bolting. is bolting bolting is is so useful. (laughs) Yes, bolting is dope, but it breaks even if you miss.
0: Yeah, and I hate that. uh, Like I used it up right away. You know, uh, you I gave pit bolting, and I used it up in like this this last playthrough. I used it up in like the this the next the very next chapter after you get it because it was just useful. That chapter is very difficult. That's the one where you you have to. recruit Nino and you have to stop Jafar from dying and he dies very easily once his killing edge breaks uh or, or once uh what's your face gets up and 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 bolts him so Priscilla. you have to just, yeah Priscilla you have to, to to no Priscilla is the is the uh the troubadour or is it Ursula Ursula that's
1: Ursula it. yeah she's tough too she's really tough yeah,
0: yeah and she's on a horseback is uh, She also a troubadour, or is that like she's a enemies? valkyrie?
1: She's a valkyrie,
0: or a valkyrie, obviously, yeah, because uh, troubadours don't use uh, don't use anima magic. Yeah,
1: she's she's like I don't know if you've played the Sacred Stones. You really need to, but uh, one of the best characters that you fight going down Ephraim's path after Chapter I... Eight is Selena Flowerspar. She's a valkyrie.
0: So I do have Sacred Stones. Um, in fact, and I have played a little bit of it, but I don't think I've played that far into it. Um, actually, yeah, I, we can kind of take this opportunity to kind of talk about the Fire Emblem series as a whole, too, because yeah. this is the first Fire Emblem game we're doing, and we'll do a lot of the other ones. I mean, I this is one we could we could easily do a Fire Emblem game per season. Um, but, uh, yeah, I actually took advantage of of this, and Blazing Blade was the first game I played. Because it's the one we're doing the podcast. But while I was in the middle of that playthrough, I went ahead and purchased uh, most of the other games of the franchise. Um, I got uh, Sacred Stones, which is the GBA game that takes place after this. Uh, well, not takes place, it's in a completely separate world, but it came out afterwards. See, Fire Emblem's kind of like Final Fantasy, where some of the games are connected, but some of them take place in completely different worlds. So I played, uh, I got Shadow Dragon on the DS. That was a remake of Shadow Dragon and the Blade of Light, the very first Fire Emblem game. Uh, I got, uh, Echoes Shadows of Valentia, which is a remake of the second game, Fire Emblem Gaiden, or Gaiden, and I really like Shadows of Valentia, actually. I was really a fan of it. Um, I got, uh, Three Houses, which is the very newest game. I know you're not a, as big of a fan of that one, but I played all the way through the story, or at least on one of the routes, and, um, it, m- I'm having trouble deciding if it's my favorite Fire Emblem game or not. But I really, really liked it. Um, Let me see. What else? Uh, I have... I purchased one of... Or or, or two of the... I purchased all three Fates games, but I didn't realize that you have to purchase the base game. If you purchase, like... If you purchase the the add-on version of a game, it doesn't work. So I kind of fucked up. So I haven't played that one yet, and I don't have Awakening yet either. Well, to be honest,
1: I, I... When it comes to Fire Emblem, I love the Game Boy versions. Those are my favorites. They always will be. Um, I'm not a fan of Three Houses, or, like, I don't like Path of Radiance or Radiant Dawn just because of I don't like voice acting and I don't like the battle animations. Mm. I've, okay. I've, I've never I enjoyed played... the pacing of the battle animations.
0: I played uh, Path of Radiance on, uh, on an emulator. Uh, and also Binding Blade as well. Because you... Uh, y- y- <laughs> the, game, the the Tellius Fire Emblem games, Path of Radiance and Radiant Dawn, are almost impossible to get now. They cost upwards of $100 for yep. each one.
1: Yep, you have to emulate it. Thank God for
0: Dolphin. Yeah, no kidding. That's that, that's the one I'm using. <laughs> okay, so you're not a fan of those ones. but So mainly, you like the GBA Fire Emblem games. Yep, those are classic to me. You know, and that's... Part of me also wants to say that that Blazing Blade is is my favorite Fire Emblem game because it is very much a GBA Fire Emblem game. Uh, I think that it's it's a good starting point for the franchise as I explained earlier because uh, it uh, well it doesn't have a dummy uh, casual mode. <laughs> you just have to get good, but the game actually takes time and, and gives you. I think during Lin's segment, you characters don't actually die. Die. They're just unusable. Uh, and there are also other characters such as uh well, I think if any lord dies, it automatically ends the chapter but there are there are some characters that because they show up like Marcus because they show up in the binding blade they they have to uh survive the blazing blade <laughs>
1: yeah plus they look uh they look much younger in the blazing blade. It's really cool how they kind of made their sprites look younger. Marcus is old as hell in sealed sword. And yeah. it's hilarious
0: yeah Marcus is actually what's funny is Marcus is a pre-promoted unit you get very early on that's actually very useful um it it'll be more worth it to train up one of your cavalry units like Kent or saying uh and, and and you know make them into a paladin, but up until the point where you can where you have a paladin it Marcus is very useful to have because he's a powerful character uh, he's a better paladin than Isidora.
1: Oh dude, everyone's a better paladin than Isadora.
0: <laughs> and she's Elliewood's sister, so I kind of wanted to use her a little bit and uh, I also used her to recruit Harkin because I felt like that's th- that's that's the way you should do it. but I think you can recruit her with e- the Lords too. I mean yeah, but also do you like Harkin as a character? As a pre-promoted unit, he's useful. Like if you haven't, if you don't have a hero on your team, which I didn't because I didn't invest in Raven, then uh, Harkin can (laughs) actually can is actually a powerhouse. Yeah, I, I wasn't. I'm not the
1: biggest fan of Raven, to be honest.
0: I've heard a lot of good things about him, that he's one of the best, like, early infantry units, but there are some units that come that are just, that kind of make him obsolete later on in the game. There are a lot of characters like that in this game.
1: I'll be honest, I played the, the first Fire Emblem game I ever played was Sacred Stones. That's the first one I ever played, and so in the Sacred Stones, when you promote units, you can actually choose what class to promote them to. So if you're promoting yeah. if you're promoting a, fire, a fighter, you can choose between a warrior or a hero, and I usually I mean depending on the run through I played I would pick one or the other but when I played blazing blade I you couldn't you can't pick your units are automatically promoted into whatever their next class is and it took me a while to get used to that but that also made me think about which units I wanted to use more so I'm I've never really been the biggest fan of paladins so I didn't use cavaliers that much but honestly when you're dealing with a lot of ground infantry like soldiers or archers, they're good to have. It just depends on how you play, really.
0: You know, and I would use the augury a lot of times to determine what units were going to be best on which maps. You know, I would definitely take that into account. And so, and it would also allow me to kind of use some units that I hadn't given enough enough love to, which was useful. And, And also, aside from the augury, you can also use the check map function. Now, it won't show you enemies that later come in as as uh, reinforcements but it will show you the initial enemies on the map which is useful because then you'll know okay you know which types of mages sh- or, or magic type characters should i deploy in this chapter yeah so i can take advantage of those weaknesses you know should i employ a lot of sword users in this map or a lot of axe users or a lot of lance users
1: Yep, you're actually you're absolutely right. And the aug- i have never really used the augury. I've just kind of went balls to the wall and jumped into the chapter. <laughs> but I think that at this point, that's because I've, I've played through them so many times. I kind of just—I hope for the best. And if I lose somebody, I restart it. I—I I love the stories of these games, and we'll get into that in part two, obviously. Um, but that that's why I play these games every now and then I'll be like, you know what? I really want to go back through, but I also love the gameplay. I I love the animations of the sprites as they're fighting. I love the weapon triangles. I love the interactions between the characters. I love the support conversations. That's one of my favorite aspects of this game is the support conversations. I love how you can take units and have them grow closer to the other units on the map. I mean, that's how it would be in real life. If you're out, uh, constantly traveling with people or uh, in a, in a group fighting alongside people, you're going to get close to those people. And I like how they kind of give you an, an, a way to do that in this game. Like in the sacred stones, there's a character called, um, well, actually, no, we won't talk about the sacred stones cause that's a different game. You can actually take Lynn, for example, and you can talk to Elliwood or Hector Ellie Wood or Hector and their relationships can grow. Basically, Hector and Ellie are always talking about how they want to spar after everything is over, and I, I really like that. Or yeah. Lynn is talking to Hector, and Hector's like, yeah, I don't typically fight women because I'd beat your ass. And Lynn's like, oh yeah, you want to fucking bet? Let's do this. <laughs> Let's go. Yes, and I, I think it's hilarious, and I think it's very tastefully done, so... I'm I'm happy about that.
0: 100% agree. I love the support conversations. The only thing I don't like about them in this game is that they're limited and that you can only have, what, five support conversations per character, which means that if you want to get an A rank with somebody, that's going to take three of those away. And so you're only going to be able to have one A rank per character with another character. So... So that that kind of sucks. And I, I, I wish that there just wasn't a limit. It just doesn't make sense that there should be a limit. You, If you put units together and, and you have enough time, you should be able to do it. And later games ended up adopting that and saying, you know, if you have enough time to increase support between all of your units, do it. But at the same time, having a limited number of of uh, support conversations does allow you to make each you know each uh playthrough more unique and to explore it kind of it pushes you to only you know pursue specific types of you know support ranks you know and not all characters are going to be compatible with each other right it's i think some some characters like they're not going to have any sort of a conversation if i'm not mistaken no not at all but there are but and so some of them are more obvious and make sense like your main three lords they make sense Hector and Ellie would grew up together They're best friends you know you you, it makes sense why they would have a support conversation or the you know the Pegasus sisters or whatnot but what's really fun is taking units that you know you wouldn't think have any kind of support conversation and you find out that they do
1: yep absolutely and that's what that's part of the magic of these games is that it creates it takes tiny little sprites and it kind of brings them to life and gives them character gives them focus and you're right it does make each run through unique
0: and it's how you actually get the most out of the story you're only going to get certain character backstories or lore by having those support conversations and and they're easy to miss. There's no obvious indicator other than whenever you move next to the unit, it'll the first option it'll say will be support. Later games kind of highlight it a little bit better, which is nice, but Yep. But yeah, in this in this game, you kind of just have to try it. And I don't think there was any part of the tutorial that really goes into depth about that. No, they do tell you that you can talk to other units about it. They briefly go over it. But it doesn't, like, expansively go over it, and that's one thing I missed in my first playthrough was uh, as, as well, and why I learned that it's best to just stick your units together, and you might be surprised by who ends up having a support conversation, you know, based on just being next to each other a lot. <laughs> yeah,
1: because you can literally have units talk to each other and want to get married.
0: Yeah, and that's the big thing with Fire Emblem. That's a series staple is that characters that get A rank or in some ca- in some cases S rank conversations with other characters, those are the ones that they end up with, and that changes that character's ending and who they end up with. So what's really interesting is that you get to decide who Roy's mother is in this game. It can be Ninian. It can be, I think, Floria, if I'm not mistaken. It can be uh, Ninian. Did I say Ninian already? You said
1: Ninian twice. It
0: can be Lindis. I'm sorry. Yeah. The only sad thing is that means that wh- whichever character it is, they end up dying. So.
1: <laughs> yep. <laughs> it's just kind of sad. Oh, dude, Fire Emblem has no chill when it comes to being sad. Yeah, that's true. Like they they do not hold back with making you cry. And honestly, we we'll, we will get into we will get into more of that you know sad shit when we when part two swings around. You know.
0: Yeah. Well, anything else that you wanted to add about Fire Emblem, as far as the topics we've discussed thus far?
1: I mean, we've pretty much hit everything as far as gameplay is concerned. Really, the only thing to do now is to kind of dive into the story, and there's a lot to cover. So, um, uh, honestly, for right now, I think we're just gonna have to leave everybody in suspense. Dun
0: dun dun. <laughs> All right, well, yep, we're sitting at about 50 minutes here, so we're, we're doing pretty well, and we've still got a lot more to talk about when it comes to Fire Emblem. Uh, by the time of part two, I'm going to try to f- at least finish my, uh, my Elliewood run, if not finish an additional Hector run as well, because after you complete the game one time, you get to play, you know, the entirety of Eliwood segment as Hector instead, which is interesting because not only is a little bit harder, but it also introduces additional characters that you can recruit and there are some extra chapters as well. So I'm actually really excited to get into that and I've heard that the very the hardest challenge that this game has to offer is Hector hard mode. Oh
1: yeah. <laughs> Good stuff
0: yeah so that's gonna be fun but guys if you enjoyed this episode please leave us a five star review on apple podcasts or feedback on your platform of choice you can find collateral gaming wherever you get your podcasts we are on apple podcasts spotify google podcasts youtube you name it you can also check us out on social media uh what did you just send me is that (laughs) (laughs) obi-wan and anakin
1: (laughs) yes i did because
0: he cuts off. <laughs> nice. <laughs> Sorry, everybody. <laughs> Another happy landing. <laughs> <laughs> Hello there. <laughs> oh, my God. Okay, no, we're not going to talk about that. <laughs> you know where I'm going with this. Oh, thing. yeah. So, yeah. And also check us out on social media. We are on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. We are also on Patreon. If you donate any amount of money, you get access to our exclusive full-length commentaries. I believe we have one patron already by the name of Robert. So thank you, Robert, for being our patron. And uh, during the interseason break, we are going to definitely be releasing some more commentaries. I would love to do a Let's Play on a Fire Emblem game. I'm open to suggestions on which one.
1: Oh, dude, you and I can tackle that for sure.
0: Yeah, now, that would be a hell of a lot of fun. Although it might be better if it's a game that, you know, like we play through or I mean, you've played it, but like I play through at least once so that I know what the hell I'm doing. But <laughs> yeah, no, I'm excited about that. So stick around for part two of our season finale. By the way, guys, I didn't announce that on this episode, but this is our season finale. We'll take some time in part two to also kind of talk about the season as a whole, which is going to be fun. But uh, but yeah, it's been a great season. We've had a lot of fun games and we are, are already planning season five of Collateral Gaming. So stick around for that. Uh, also this month, I would like... To have a uh, bonus round, and I think that we're due for another game recommendations episode. We haven't done one this season.
1: Oh yeah, dude, we'll definitely have to figure that out. And and also, it's it's good to be back. I've missed this podcast. It's 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 good to be back on it, and just in time for season five.
0: Season five. <laughs> well, that being said, guys, uh, stick around, and uh, we'll we'll see you in part two. I'm Ben Ashley Chancellor.
1: I have been Zachary Gio.
0: And we are collateral keeping. We are out. Bye, motherfuckers.